Great morning, everyone, and welcome to yet another episode of Thank God for Monday. I'm Brother Greg Cellini, the Franciscan Brothers of Brooklyn and Seton Hall University class of 1985. My great pleasure to be back with you once again today. The purpose of our show, Thank God for Monday, is to inspire you, our audience, to take personal responsibility for your professional satisfaction. We want to provide you hope, healing, and peace in these unprecedented, turbulent, uncertain times. Motivate you to search deep inside yourself in the quest for fulfillment. Listeners, it's really up to you as how to utilize the information we provide today. Take full accountability for the decisions you make and the resulting outcomes. Now, one of the goals of our show, thank God, for Monday is to introduce role models, role models of people who take very bold steps in their work life. This is a very special time when diversity, equity, and inclusion have never been more essential. And as such, we are honored today to have with us a most special guest. His name is Christopher C.J. Gross. C.J. has 19 years of experience in leadership and organization development, not only domestically, but globally around the world. He's an international organization development consultant and founder of the firm Ascension Worldwide, a full-service minority-owned consulting firm committed to helping clients achieve workplace inclusion and employee and client diversity. He is also the author of the very timely and enlightening book, What's Your Zip Code Story? Understanding and Overcoming Class Bias in the Workplace. Great morning and welcome to Thank God for Monday, CJ. Hey, Greg, thank you for having me and thank God it's Monday. Um, so yeah, so really excited to have this conversation. Thank you for having me. Oh, the pleasure is certainly all ours. Kindly share with the listeners and me from what city and state you're speaking from this morning. So right now I am in a place called Shrewsbury, Pennsylvania. Um, not to be confused with, um, you know, or being close to Philadelphia or Pittsburgh. It's a um, small rural town, very up and coming. Um, and it's actually closer to the Maryland line, closer to Baltimore than it is to either one of those uh, cities. So that's where I'm at right now. Wow, that's terrific. Well, thank you so much for getting extra up uh, early to be with yeah, us today. Uh, we've only got about 30 minutes and we have a lot to talk about. So if it's okay with you, we're going to jump right in the deep end of the pool. Let's do it. Thank you. Why is this great book that you've written, What's Your Zip Code Story? Why is it so important right now as it pertains to the diversity, equity, inclusion conversation? Well, it's important, Greg, for a couple of reasons. It's important because what this book does, it expands the conversation around diversity. Um, and it doesn't limit it to just race and sexual orientation, um, gender, which those are important. But it expands it to lead to a conversation that I believe is really about equity. It's really about these hidden rules that uh, many people feel um create glass uh, cylinders for them in their in their um, in their workplace um, 
um, trajectory and to to overcome those um, those 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 barriers. So this book is really to expand the conversation. And ultimately, this book is to help individuals and leaders of companies to uh, capitalize on the talent within diverse populations within the organization and individuals who are who have a um, um, specific background. How do they capitalize on their talent? Oh, wonderful. Certainly. Now. Let's peel the onion, if you don't mind, uh, CJ, because at the end, we want to give you an opportunity to share with our loyal listeners just how they can purchase this great book. In short, what is this book about from an author's standpoint, please? Yeah, so this book is about, um, so when you you think about what's your zip code story, you think about the title, zip code, like where you grew up. But as you read through the book, you start to realize that the your zip code story is not just about where you grew up. It's about how you grew up. It's about the sights and sounds outside of your door. It's about the conversations around the dinner table. It's about, um, you know, shared knowledge and information that is specific to your specific household, to your specific experience. Um, And this book explores how the brain creates stories around that particular background. Um, and specifically around people, places, and things, people, places, and things. So that's what the book explores. And at the end of the book, it encourages and inspires people through my own story and the story of others. How do they then expand this zip code story to be more inclusive of different stories and other experiences? Wow, that's absolutely awesome. Now, in this great book of yours, you talk about the challenges of class migrants. Can you kindly share with us, please explain, uh, CJ, what is a class migrant and what their challenges are? So class migrant is someone who grows up in a specific um, social class and then at some point in their life moved to another social class. And so, for example, class class migrant is a person who might be a first year or first um, generation college graduate. That means that um, their parents have not graduated from a four-year institution and they are probably not um, operating in corporate America. So the challenges come in when you you have an experience you grow up with and the rules are, are, are such. And then later on in life, the rules change because you go to college, you go to corporate America. And in my case, my parents, um, I, I am a class migrant, and my parents didn't have those um, experiences, so they couldn't inform me on what to do. You know, in your first interview at the corporate level, you know, what should you say? How should you dress specifically? Um, what are some of the sports that you should, you know, uh, extracurricular activities that you should get engaged with? Should you learn another language? Should you travel? You know, like um, how do you get? How do you move up the corporate lattice? So, so the zip code. I mean the um, the class uh, migrant is going to have those experiences. Um, and then those challenges come in when there is a lack of guidance, a lack of um, seemingly opportunity because, you know, how do you access, uh, you know, this, 
this opportunity if you don't have the right um whether it's skill set or right relationships you didn't go to the right schools you didn't you know it's all these what are the rules and how to play this new game and so because of this um and because of it class migrants have to make what we call uh, ethical decisions sometimes they have to choose between something that feels right for the culture that they grew up with um, and choose between that and something that may be beneficial to their career. For example, um, you may come from a really large family and tight-knit um, family, and you want to continue to have that experience. However, there is a corporate opportunity that uh, shows up for you, but you might have to move across um, you know, country or you may have to move to another zip code. In order oh, to- wow. Oh, that's interesting. I'm so blessed here. I'm in the Mission Ministry Interfaith Dialogue group at St. Francis College. It's a mm-hmm. rather smaller school in Brooklyn, New York. And many of our students are first generation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And one of the things we have quickly seen is that we need to help all our students, but in particularly those who are first generation, as you say, they have these unique challenges mm-hmm. because they don't maybe have the role models that they, as you say, would be in the corporate world or have the experience to pass along to their children. So we right. have to, uh, I spent many years in our Center for Career Exploration where we would make sure the students were interview ready and in other ways ready uh, to uh, dip their toe into the water and then jump into the deep end of the career pool. Uh, No question about it. So uh, that's why this book of yours, this great book is so timely and enlightening. Now, speaking of the book, my assumption is company leaders can really leverage the information in this book. Share with us all about it, please, CJ. How can these great leaders leverage this wonderful book? Yeah, sure. Um, so great. One of the things that I didn't mention is I actually graduated from Franciscan school um, not too long ago, St. Bonaventure University. You got to be kidding me. I did, too. Wait a minute. You're Bonnie? Uh, well, I went for an advanced certificate program in oh, awesome. studies in 2016. So yeah. you, gra- you graduated recently as well? Yeah. Well, last year I graduated from uh, St. Bonaventure University. Oh, Congratulations. And so that then leads to the answer to your question, you know, so, you know, at the school, the leaders, you know, was able to capitalize on the information from the book by being more inclusive, um, by bringing, again, as you mentioned, how do we support first time or first generation college students to make sure that they access the same opportunities? Because what we find is that um, a person who is a class migrant, the ROI on their um, degree is not the same for someone who's not a class migrant, right? So a degree is, yeah, absolutely. Wow. A degree is no, yeah. You, so when you have a degree, that's only to get you through the door to actualize some of these opportunities, your, your, you know, your talent um, and, and um, capitalize on some of the opportunities. You must understand, you know, in the book, we call it the um, the eight class migrant, uh, class, um, um, uh, exclusion, um, topics, you have to understand those, right? And so leaders 
must really focus on how to operationalize um, and mitigate the biases that stand out. So I call it the three C's. The three C's include um, being able to uh, cultivate a culture of mentorship and not, not a mentorship program, which is great, but what we, what we find is that mentorship programs, formal mentorship programs don't always work, especially for class migrants. You want it to be more organic. Organic mentoring works like, hey, Greg, I like you. You went to uh, your Bonnie. I'm a Bonnie. Hey, you know, we have something in common there, right? You know, and so there's that natural connection there. And if you just stick two people together who have no connection and there's no training to be mentors, that becomes a challenge. So a culture of is when everyone is mentoring everyone. You're mentoring up, you're mentoring down. Like everyone has something something to share. And what you do is you cross-pollinate when that happens. You grow people from all levels of the organization and um, inclusion happens quickly. You get to learn about other people's culture. You get invited to go, you know, maybe it's golfing or horseback riding or skeet shooting or, you know, some things that, some things that my, I've experienced. So that's the first C. The second C is, um, um, character develop um, well character and cultural development for those individuals. So character is how do you um, how do you handle stress and pressure when it comes to making important decisions? Oh wow! Yeah. Do you stay on path or do you do you crack or do you you know question yourself, your leadership ability, your skills? Like those are things that you need to operationalize and put into a system so that when people come through, whether it's the school or whether people come through your uh, internship program or new employees, how do you operationalize that to give them skill set when it's time to pick or choose a leader, you can confidently say that person has it. The other part of that is the culture. So persons should be exposed to different cultural um, um, experiences so that when you, again, looking for leaders, one of the things we find that 20% of the leadership um, responsibility is really connecting with people who are different than you. And so if you're, if you, if you don't, if you can't do that because you have lack of experience, you're going to be, um, you're not going to be top of the list when it comes to um, being chosen for a leadership position. And then lastly, um, the last C is really interesting. It's credentials, credentials, credentials. <laughs> We always think of as again, we always think about, you know, the degrees, right? And that is a credential that you want to have, especially as you right. leadership and development and growth, especially in corporate America. But that's not enough, right? So you can get your master's, your, your, your bachelor's, your doctorate, you can get some certifications. But the credentials that I lean into in this book are credentials that we don't talk about often, like, for example, travel, uh, for example, experience with different cultures. For example, uh, what are some of the activities that you do outside of work to develop? <laughs> my uh, my speaker felt it. What are some of the, what are some of the things that you you can do outside of the work to develop yourself um, in speaking a second language, uh, being a part of if you're in school, being a part of a study abroad program, uh, being in an out, outside leadership program, joining Rotary, um, join Toastmasters, joining activities are going to help you develop your communication skills, people skills confidence and if, if we could be honest something that you a feather that you can put in your hat something that you can put down on your resume that makes you stand out from the rest of the crowd so these are the three c's that leaders can really capital help help their employees um capitalize on their their unique talents and skills this is so amazing because you talk about the importance of mentoring 
you know, to overcoming class bias. Uh, one of my great mentors is actually from St. Bonaventure. I don't know if you would have known uh, Dr. David uh, Couturier. He's in the strategic planning group. Uh, he was there when I was last in 16. He may have moved on. But uh, that, that maybe, is. The I came out of the strategic planning um, program too. So maybe is it Dr. David? Yes, yes. The Dr. David Couturier. Yeah. Okay. I'm pretty sure. We'll let you talk about it afterwards. <laughs> but like I didn't know him. And that's something. But uh, yeah, the importance uh, of these mentors. Now, what's very interesting, uh, CJ, I perceive this great book. It's not only for leaders, that individual contributors can also benefit greatly. Share with us some more, please. Sure, Greg. Um, so this book is written from really that perspective of the individual contributor um, and what they can do to overcome class bias. Because as we do work in you know, diversity, equity, and inclusion, it's great for your organization to be more inclusive, to choose um, leaders from diverse backgrounds, but you can't wait for companies to do all the work. It is a two-way um, two street, right? So it, it, as the company does, take maybe takes one step because companies move a little bit slower, you need to take two or three or four or five steps to make sure you ensure that you are in position to be um, chosen or to be looked at for these opportunities. So some of the wow. things that I mentioned, it really is those three C's in reverse. So do you have a mentor, right? So if individual contributors listening to this, mentorship is one of the things that we found when we did research for the book. I call it, I wrote a chapter in the book called um, Mentorship, the Bridge to Equity, because mentorship is one of the most equitable relationships you could ever have. Because what happens is all your mentors are not going to be your same, you know, race or demographic, or they may not even be in your field. So right sure. now, you, Im you immediately get an opportunity to have diversity there. And then mentorship is intimate. It, it, you know, when you mentor someone, you sit down, you have coffee or tea or chai or smoothie with them, and you get to know them. And it usually happens over time. They work with you, they're your teacher, maybe a colleague within your company, and you see them over time. And then they get, to, they get a chance to know you, you get a chance to know them. Uh, my mentor came to my wedding, right? And he, oh helped, my goodness. He, he helped me make some of the most crucial decisions. And my life like was night and day different by just making, I would say three to four decisions. Cause I recount those. I was like, how did I get here? How did I become an international speaker? How did I become a Ted talk? How did I get yes. And at the end of this, well, actually this week I'm going to, to, um, to Oxford to do some work there, but also to, oh. to go to London to do some to do some um, some speaking engagements and some um, some uh, some book signings. And I, I it was a decision that I did not want to make, but my mentor said, "Let's think about this, right?" And it's those <laughs> that when you have with your mentor, they allow you to see not with your physical eye, but you know I am very spiritual, so I would say with your spiritual eye beyond you know, what you can, what you can see with your own experience, it shines lights on opportunities. It shines oh, on opportunities. Wow. So, so yeah, so mentorship is something if you, if, if someone was to say, what's one thing that I can get out of this book, if I was to strip it down and do the, you know, 20, 80, 20% of the efforts come, 80% of the outcome comes for 20% of the effort, the 20% they could read in this book, it would be less than 20%. It'd be mentorship. Wow. You could be a mentor. You can put a mentorship program together in your organization. If you could find 
at minimum three mentors, one in your field, one outside of your field, and then one in between, you could make life-changing strides. And it's, again, what I told my mentor when, we, when I sat down and told him, this is recently the other day, this not only changed my life, it changed the lives of my kids. And oh, now it's gonna wow. change my kids' kids' life because my tra- trajectory has been different. And that's how powerful the information in the book, but more specifically, mentorship. Wow. So it is very far reaching. No question about that. We only have about eight minutes. Time's getting a little shorter than we would like. We could talk all day, but still have some important questions to ask you. You interviewed several people, CJ, for this great book. There are a couple of themes that really stood out that you'd like to share with us today. Yeah, a couple of things stood out. Um, I'll say one of the things that um, stood out was that people were not aware of, of class or being a class being a, a specific type of bias. And they didn't understand that either they figured out the class, um, you know, uh, rules or, or you know, um, information that was potentially holding them back. And for those who are already successful, who grew up, grew up in uh, privilege or wealth, they didn't understand that class was what was supported, supported them. In, oh, my. So I had one lady say, hey, you know what? It took me a while to answer this question because I never thought about it because I never had to think about it. Mm. And so that was a consistent theme. Like they didn't, people were not aware that that they what they were trying to overcome was not the system. And I mean, obviously that's part of, but it wasn't even other people. It wasn't as much race. It was this class thing. Ah, that wow. they couldn't put their finger on, but they all had to navigate it in order to be successful. Another thing I'll tell I'll tell you a quote that um, one of the individuals who was a um, Harvard law um, professor and um, also um, a lawyer professional, he said something that just really made me think. He said, "What um, wealth or money allows you to do is to contemplate, is to ah. consider." is to it, it creates a safe space psychologically emotional and financially and sometimes physically where you don't have to respond to life and when you have when you have not reached that as a you know as an individual or family or as certain individuals in your company you're going to be in that kind of like response mode right so the decisions that you make for your career will not really be the decisions that you make for your career these are the decisions that you feel like you're, you're you have to make. You are. Oh, wow. And when when people say pull yourself up by the bootstraps. Sure. If you have boots, if you have shoelaces, um, because I, I, I come from that kind of thinking. But at the same time, we have to be very cognizant that when you have the opportunity to sit back and consider which school you want to go to, if someone gives you an internship at Google, and it's a non-paid internship. Can you ca- can you capitalize on that? Or do you feel like you need to work? Wow. These are the things that we have to consider when we think about class bias at a deeper level, from an organizational perspective, from a from an educational perspective, as HR professionals and leaders. Oh, these are all such important things that we need to think about. Now, if I perceive in the book, you talk about something I had never heard of. 
the imposter syndrome. Oh, yes. Talk yes. to us briefly a little bit more about that, please. Sure. So the imposter syndrome just means that you feel like you do not belong in a position. Oh, whether it's in leadership or whether it's, you know, a keynote speaker, I've experienced this. I talked about it in the book in my first presentation and actually um, kind of kickstarted this process to write the book. And I was going up to speak at the Society for Human Resource Management Conference. And I felt like imposter syndrome, like I'm not smart enough is some of the things that you feel. Um, oh. People are not going to receive me. I don't have the experience. Basically, the long story short is I don't belong here. Oh. And when imposter syndrome kicks in and you'll, you'll find it more, everyone experiences to some degree, but you'll find it more at the class migrant um, level. And those class migrants eventually become middle management and they never move beyond middle management because they can't see themselves being at the director level at the C-suite level. They can't see themselves, you know, some people can't see themselves graduating or getting the next level degree or, oh, you, know, wow. you know, leading a team. And so it's, it's, it's prevalent um, in, um, groups who've been marginalized historically. And so it's something we all deal with. And I talk about some of the things that I've done to overcome those um, experiences. It's so fascinating because being at uh, St. Bonaventure's and now here at uh, St. Francis College, belonging, radical hospitality. Oh yeah, I love that. Us is critical. Mm-hmm. Why is belonging so important, CJ, this power of belonging? So belonging is important because um, when we when we look at the research, it shows that people who are excluded feel the same level of pain uh, mentally as they would physically. The brain does not separate the two. So when someone is excluded and they've done research to show three people playing a, with a ball and everyone is getting a turn to catch the ball and push and uh, throw the ball. And then when all of a sudden one person is excluded into two uh, people, exclude the other person from throwing the ball back and forth, literally that person feels pain in their, in their body due to their brain science. So think about applying that to the job, right? So when you feel like excluded at the job, you're not coming in with high level performance. You're not coming in thank God it's Monday. You're like, Oh God, it's Monday. And so this is um, why it's so important to consider this because the brain science supports that we're literally getting, literally getting a, a, a jolt of negative chemicals in our body that uh, mitigate, um, doesn't allow our performance to be increased. It, it affects our communication. It affects um, our confidence. It affects so many different things. And again, this is on a chemical level. A, a, and so... And so that's, that's why it's important. You know, we, we focus on brain science a lot based on Daniel Kahneman's book, um, Thinking Fast and Slow. So this is information that's out there. Um, but the question is, how do we apply it in our leadership positions and individual contributors? Well, that is amazing. There is no doubt in my mind, I've learned a lot today, but class bias definitely affects the workplace. Uh, I'm a recovering CPA and uh, <laughs> I could sense and sadly... <laughs> The class bias affects the bottom line negatively of many organizations. Absolutely. Uh, No no doubt about it. We've saved the most important question for last, CJ. Where can our loyal listeners purchase this great book? What's your zip code story? How can they best follow you, please? Sure, Greg. So um, you can purchase the book anywhere books are sold, but more specifically, obviously, on Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, 
books a million. Uh, they can also go to my website, uh, two websites, cjgrosstalks.com, and the organizational website is ascensionworldwide.com, and that's A S C E N S I O N worldwide.com. Listeners, you've got no excuse. This book is all over the place. Buy one for yourself. It makes great reading, especially during the summer, time of reflection. Buy one for someone else. Give this book as a gift, and you will have a friend for life, because this is really something, uh, again, we talk a lot about race, and we talk about other things, you know, but class is not something we ever talked about here on Thank God for Monday, and certainly CJ today has enlightened us. He's inspired us greatly. Do me a favor. Do yourself a better favor. Pick up this great book. Give one to someone else. We need to have optimal workplaces. And this book will go a long way, whether someone's a leader, an individual contributor. And as CJ said, just the part alone on mentorship uh, is worth the price of this book, which is just a couple of dollars. A well, well worthwhile investment. Christopher C.J. Gross, we can't thank you enough for gracing us here on Thank God for Monday. As I just said, we've been enlightened, much more we've been inspired. Continued success, joy, happiness, and great contribution from one Franciscan to another. Absolutely. And indeed, best of success on all these international trips that you're going on and with this thank great you. book. Uh, I'm sure you're going to continue to make a, a big hit, not only in the States, a bit outside the States as well, internationally. So. Uh, keep up the great work from one Bonnie to another, that's for sure. Thank you, Greg. Listeners, sadly, guess what? Once again, we're out of time. Greg saying our hope and prayer is that when you wake up on Monday morning, just like C.J. Gross does, you'll say, thank God for Monday. Until next week for another episode of Thank God for Monday. Have a great week, everyone. Bye-bye. <laughs>